This is Lane Kawoka, host of the Simple Passive Cashflow.com podcast, and you are listening to Dream Chasers Interviews with the Future. If anybody of all races and creeds and income, we all stop dead in our tracks when we experience excellence. It's inclusive. It doesn't cut across, doesn't segregate, doesn't uh, create walls. It actually tears them down and brings people together. And, you know, it's, in, it's ultimately inclusive. And now a word from our sponsor, Liberty Real Estate Fund. Liberty Real Estate Fund is creating the world's first single tenant net lease security token fund by joining blockchain technology and 30 years of institutional real estate investment experience to deliver stable, diversified, tax-efficient returns combined with liquidity, security, and transparency. Michael Flight, co-founder of Liberty Real Estate Fund, or also known as LibertyFund.io, likes to quote Peter Thiel, look at what in your industry is inevitable but no one sees coming. The founders at LibertyFund.io asked the question, what if you could combine all the benefits of wealth creation, inflation protection, and cash flowing income of real estate with the liquidity and ease of worldwide use presented by Bitcoin? It became apparent that blockchain technology would disrupt, but also enhance the real estate investment world. So the guys at Liberty spent a few years in mucho dollars researching, designing, and building a superior investment strategy to get the best aspects of commercial real estate, which again include wealth generation, inflation protection, tax benefits, the ability to leverage your investment, tangible value, and cash flowing regular income with all of the benefits of blockchain, including security, transparency, cost efficiencies, worldwide distribution, liquidity, and immediate transfers. Don't miss the next big trend. You can get their new free real estate blockchain investing 2020 report at libertyfund.io. Yes, that's libertyfund.io. Folks, this is a quality report and it's free. Be sure to tell them that Adam at Dream Chasers sent you. Thank you. This is Dream Chasers, episode 123, featuring Ryan Smith. Hey guys. Hi, Grandma. This is Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, and today I'm joined by Ryan Smith. Ryan is the principal of Elevation Capital. He was born and raised in Orlando, Florida, went to the University of Tampa and Oregon State where he played baseball, which is a cool story within within itself. Might get to hear a little bit about that today. Um, And Ryan now lives in Orlando, Florida, where he runs his company as well, which is another big focus of today's interview. Really excited to have him here. Guys, uh, this has been one in the making for sure. Ryan, thank you for coming on the show. And do you have any opening remarks for my listeners? You know, I appreciate being here. It's good to see you again in this time. And no, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And as he mentioned, good to see me here in this time. We've got a cool topic tied to closing deals during COVID. We're going to get into that in a little bit here, guys. But a little more context, you know, I look back at my journey as a commercial real estate professional. And it's funny, I I look back, definitely one of the defining moments was um, actually a day where I met Ryan for the first time. It was May 20, wow, was that 2017? It was May 2018. And I had just finished going through the Cashflow Connections mentorship program. Uh, I think I had maybe done a little bit of work with Hunter at this time, which Hunter Thompson is the connector between Ryan and I. And I went to this dinner 
um, an investor's dinner where Ryan and Hunter were talking about a fund that they're putting together. And to be honest, it, it was like, I might as well have just gone to China and listened to an entire presentation <laughs> in Chinese because I didn't know really what these guys were talking about. But I'll never forget one of my biggest takeaways from that, uh, that first time being in this space, being surrounded by investors, is I was blown away about how down to earth so many people in this industry are. I think before getting into commercial real estate, I was like, it's all, it's going to be everyone in suits and it's, you know, sharks and just intimidating mean people. <laughs> it just could be further from the truth. If anything, you know, it was like, wow, everyone here is like focused on giving and sharing. And one great thing about Ryan that I'll never forget him saying to me one time, this was actually at Hunter's wedding was, um, He'd much, 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 much rather. In fact, he tries to stay away from speaking gigs. He'd rather teach. Um, and teaching is so powerful. When you can wake up every day with a mindset where you want to teach and educate, um, life just gets better and better. So that's a little bit of our, our history and how we first got to know each other. I do want to flip it over to you here, Ryan, to maybe follow up on, on anything that I just shared. No, no, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's been good getting to know you. It's been fun watching kind of you grow and mature and evolve and, and kind of your understanding and how you're executing on, you know, so many different things, including podcasts like this. And I think you do a great job. So I'm, I'm proud of all that, uh, you know, all that you're doing. Thank you. And as I mentioned, guys, Ryan's also uh, got an athletic background like myself. You might not be able to tell from the video, but I think you're, you're probably taller than me too. I'm six, five. You're probably about six, eight. Yeah. Six, eight. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Played. This is the crazy thing about about Ryan, and this was what kind of reminds me of guys like Russell Brunson, for example. I think at age like thirteen or fourteen, he was one of those people who like created a piece of software, like sold it to his dad, and like people started using it. And then meanwhile, he was busy like you know getting straight A's and ready to go to major <laughs> the major leagues in baseball, but decided to focus in real estate, which is again another story within itself. Um, but could you elaborate on maybe that fourteen year old story I just referenced, and then your your baseball journey too? Sure, sure. So I, I, I guess I, um, I'm, I'm a pretty curious person, and I like to tinker and, and I like to fix problems and, <clears throat> and make things better. So as a, as a young person, I, I taught myself to code. Ended up learning 13 languages. Starting, you know, I started getting curious about it around eight, uh, eight years old, and I'd go to different businesses, and you know, they'd have issues. And this was by, by way of context. This would have been in the 90s you know, late 90s, uh, or I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s. And so, you know, I'd, I'd go to a business and they, they'd have some kind of issue that I thought technology could solve. So I'd go home and write a software program at the time, put it on a, a desk and then, you know, take it to the business owner and say, here, this, this should solve your problems. Or yeah, I wrote software for my teachers and, you know, I, I wrote software for everybody. So anyway, short story, my, my dad had a, you know, a real estate business. I was, I grew up in the real estate business and you know, everything from digging trenches to scraping walls to replacing wax rings on toilets. And it evolved into um, more financial modeling and forecasting and evaluation. So I, I thought, you know, in my dad's ADDs, ADHDs, brilliant, but financial forecasting and modeling isn't his strength. So I thought it'd be cool if I could challenge myself to create a software application to make the complex simple. And that's that's probably the theme of everything I've done. I, like, I really enjoy solving problems, but I really enjoy making things simple and trying to find the simplicity in, in things. So, so I was able to you know, make a, I spent a whole summer, three months, you know, it was kind of a strange thing for a kid to do in the summer months to spend the whole time in front of a, you know, the old CRT monitor. You know, I, I would code until anywhere between two and four in the morning every night, just couldn't, couldn't type fast enough, but wake up with code in my head and, <laughs> had to, you know, type it out and, you know, my eyes hurt because the screen and 
But anyway, built the application. It worked. Uh, my dad loved it. He told a friend and friend ended up building an install base of about 140,000 customers globally that was mom and pop investors using my software to model and uh, model their investments. So it was kind of, it was, it was cool. It was, it was really rewarding. Yeah. That, and guys, that, that just goes to show a lot about Ryan's character there too. You know, it's a story that is very powerful, but I don't think he would ever publicly share it unless someone <laughs> is like, Hey, can you tell that story? So, um, you know, it's quite an accomplishment to have at a young age and it shows, you know, that type of energy carries on as you get older. And then also with baseball, I know you, you had an offer or you were about to get drafted and you kind of decided to go the real estate direction. Yeah. Yeah. I got drafted out of high school by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, I was a pitcher through mid nineties and, you know, it was six, eight, you know, through, through hard and really my uncle pitched in the major leagues. I have another relative who um, um, was up for induction into the hall of fame. So I've, I've got baseball in my blood. So got drafted um, professionally out of high school. You know, at that point I had a software company I was building and I was making some pretty decent income. So I really, you know, I saw value in my education and, you know, I wanted to continue to build my business. So I played baseball all the way through college, got drafted again by the um, Anaheim Angels. And then out of college, my last year, I, you know, the Braves, you know, reached out and said, Hey, you know, I'd been drafted two times previously and I had not signed. And so they said, yeah, if we, you know, if we draft you this time, will you sign? And I said, no. So, and interestingly enough, this wasn't the question, but a couple of months later, I met my wife, Jamie, who I would not have likely met had I signed with the Braves. So I, I, to this day, consider her my non-signing bonus. Nice. And that's another, another shout out we got to give here too, guys. I've had the privilege of meeting Ryan's, Ryan's wife, Jamie, um, at least two, maybe three times. She wrote a really powerful book a few years back called trailer cash, um, which is tied to their business. And I think she said she's working on like a, a revised version or a new version. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, it's woefully, I mean, it's so out of date, but it's, uh, It's a good book. It just, you know, it's probably 11 years old now. (laughs) So anyways, that's the background. That's the story, guys. Uh, Now I want to talk to you about the, well, we're going to step into the next level chamber. Here we go. The focus of today's conversation, which is closing deals during COVID. This is really what kind of gave me the idea to bring Ryan on the show. And I'm, I'm happy that, um, you know, over the years of getting to know each other, we waited till now to do it. One of the first things I remember seeing when the, the COVID chaos was taking place is Ryan's posting pictures and videos on Facebook. Like I'm on my way to Oregon. I'm on my way here. Like he's flying all over the country when everyone's panicked and freaking out. This guy is just like, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to continue my business. And then on top of that, it seems like, you know, it seems like you've closed like 20 deals over the past six months. I'm sure it's probably like two or three, but they've been very profound. Um, you, by the way, you guys, they're focused in self-storage and mobile home parks. They've do, done a phenomenal job. We've gotten to work with them over the years at ASIM Capital. Just a tremendous track record. If you're not already convinced that Ryan knows what he's doing based on his younger days. So again, I know I just threw a lot out there, but what I'm most intrigued by Ryan is probably the psychology behind closing these deals and looking for opportunity and proceeding with business as if it's normal right now when most people are afraid to do that. What do you think are like some of the foundational pieces of what you've been doing that people listening today can take and and go out there and replicate your success? Yeah, I know it's a good question. I guess for us, from a psychological standpoint, I think we tend to look at disequilibrium as the outlier 
and and constancy as normal. So it's you know it's it's like all waters are smooth and choppy water is really strange. When in fact, I think the water is far more you know choppy is far more normal than than glass like or smooth. So to me, yes, COVID was a you know it was a curveball came out of the blue. I didn't foresee it. Um, you know most people did not. And there will be probably 50 other COVID-like events in my career. So, you know, at the end of the day, you got to play the game and you've got to, um, and, and by that, I, I don't mean throw caution to the wind and be foolish. It's, you know, everything's about managing risk. And so you, you, you play the game and you manage your risks. And, and that's, whether it's COVID or, you know, election or depression or a, a war or, you know, and I, I do think the next 10 years will be a choppy decade. So I, I think, I do not think things will go back to being smooth and, and tranquil anytime soon. So, you know, that's neither here nor there. I might be wrong. I hope I am, but, but I'll, I'll say in short, you got to play the game. Absolutely. And you know what, I, I want to take a step back here too. We didn't really get into it much, but Elevation Capital Group, as I mentioned, you guys are focused on self-storage, mobile home parks, your operators. For more of our listeners that are more in tune with the commercial real estate industry, could you share with them a little bit more about what you guys do. And, you know, before we get to the end of the interview, we might as well do it now. How can they look into uh, working with or investing with you guys too? Yeah. So any, any, you know, our information's, you know, our website's elevationcapitalgroup.com. Information on our fund that we have open uh, is elevationfund.com. And then, you know, my information's there and, you know, feel free to reach out anytime if I could be helpful. But as to what we do, you know, we're in the mobile home park and self-storage space and, you know, we can talk about mobile homes and, you know, storage lockers and all of these things. But basically what we do for a living is we find dollars. We manage dollars and then, you know, we, uh, we, we try to find more, uh, knowing the value of each dollar. So that's, that's simply put what we do. Another um, takeaway, I remember hearing you talk about this before is I think you've used the phrase Disney World clean or something like that. And uh, this is one thing I really enjoy working with Hunter um, on and I can tell that there's no disconnect here between elevation and ASIM where just like things sharp, tight, clean, taken care of, zipped up. Um, you guys, like, you're not going to touch anything <laughs> if it's not Disney World clean, basically, is what I'm getting at. Where does you know, that's such a foundational part in a successful business? I guess, could you just talk about that concept and how it's been important to you over the years? Yeah. So, I mean, part of our, you know, I, I guess it fundamentally, I'll start by, I guess I'll start this way. I have a, um, a dear friend of mine who I've learned a ton from. His name's Tim Keller. And Tim Keller's exceptional. He's, he's the C.S. Lewis of our time, if you're familiar with C.S. Lewis. But um, his wife, Kathy, is arguably even more brilliant, which is hard to say with a straight face. I mean, um, but Kathy said years ago, and I agree with her statement, she said that excellence is the ultimate form of inclusion. Okay. And so, and she said this years before inclusion was a, you know, you know, any of this was kind of at the topic of the day. But I tend to agree with her that, you know, if, if anybody of all races and creeds and income, we all stop dead in our tracks when we experience excellence. It's inclusive. It doesn't cut across, doesn't segregate, doesn't uh, create walls, it actually tears them down and brings people together. And, you know, it's, in, it's ultimately inclusive. And so, to me, you know, we, we love people. We're in the people business and that, you know, like I can make a bunch of eye rolling statements, but we, we truly do like people, you know, we're in the people business. You know, we we're in the business of treating our customers well. 
Uh, we're in the business of treating our communities well and, and our investors well. And with the goal of excellence for the purpose of inclusion, the way then you discharge that um, is by providing a good product. The Disneyland Clean, that's, that's a kind of a brand standard we have. We want our properties to be Disneyland Clean because ultimately we want you, the customer, to feel you know, to enjoy the experience. And we think if you enjoy the experience and you like the facilities, you like the people that you'll likely come back. And so that'll be income producing and that ultimately drives a return to the investors and provides a, you know, it contributes to the local community and, and not being kind of a blight on that society. And so anyway, but I, I, it, I think it emanates off from the point. I, I loved her statement because it was so well said that, that excellence is the ultimate form of inclusion. Absolutely. I love that. Going back to the deal that you also kind of referenced there not too long ago, as I mentioned, it seems like going on LinkedIn, I see a new drone video coming out from Elevation Capital and a new acquisition. That's a part of the the excellence right there is those drone videos are very well done. Could you talk about maybe your, your most recent acquisition and you know how you sourced it? Just kind of like the step-by-step on how everything took place. Again, you know, given the fact that we're in a time where most people aren't aren't acting in the similar manner. Yeah. Yeah. So I pretty, I'm glad you like the drones. Um, I travel with a drone. I do all that. I, I do all the filming. I edit it in post um, in Final Cut Pro. And uh, there's a whole reason why I do all of that myself. But uh, I mean, that says a lot right there that, that you're, I didn't know you were the one editing. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I edited. I went through probably 800 sound clips to find the one that I felt was the right tone. And, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm glad somebody <laughs> enjoys them. I, I enjoy them. But in terms of the last acquisition, so this year we made four acquisitions, one in Philadelphia, we had one in Santa Fe, New Mexico, one in Sacramento, California, and then one in Las Vegas, Nevada. The last one was in Las Vegas. It's a storage, it's a storage asset. It's on Tropicana Boulevard near Summerlin. If you're not familiar with Vegas or Summerlin, Summerlin's a place that much everybody watching this, if we were to move to Vegas, Summerlin would be on the hit list for where you might want to live. Nice, nice place, um, you know, growing so the asset itself is dirty. It is not Disneyland clean. It's not well managed. Um, one of the first trips to it, there was a dent, you know, by the by one of the access doors, there's a big dent and a huge dent in the panel that somebody had, you know, put in it. A, a member of our team asked the manager, this was before we bought it, said, you know, how long has that dent been there? The guy's like, oh, I don't know, five years, six years, where we're all just start twitching, you know. Um, you know, so the, the point is that that's just obviously. Um, that didn't matter to them. It matters to us. So we bought the property and we, it's hard to describe verbally, but the front on Tropicana Boulevard across the street is is a very busy, high traffic in and out burger. It's a very good location, high visibility um, storage facility does. The challenge is the whole front of the storage facility, it's got a 1970s car wash where you, you pull into the bay and you wash your car. It's not automated. It's just kind of a part. So the whole, the majority of the frontage is all car wash. It, you know, the, the way the office is built or the office isn't optimal. It does, you don't, you don't have a ton of visibility from the road, although it's, it's in a good location. So we're going to go in, tear down the car wash, tear, tear down the office and build a new three-story, you know, building and kind of state-of-the-art building with a new office, a proper office, and you'll get good visibility. And it'll provide a lot of opportunity for increased storage, a lot, of, a lot more space for people to store. So that's, you know, there's other things we're going to do to the property, but we're going to clean it up. We're going to modify it, you know, in terms of its its offering. We found that property through a broker. I think the, in this case, if I recall, I think the seller owned two storage facilities in total. He was trying to sell both of them. 
at one time. I think they went out and asked 27 million or so for both. Um, one was existing, uh, the one we bought. It's in an established location. It's been around for around 15 years. The other one was newly constructed and leasing up in a newer location. That, that one was less desirable for us. So mm-hmm. we, we asked if they would separate them. They said they would. I think he came back and said, you know, I'll, I'll sell you the, the one you want, the good one, so to speak, for I think it was roughly 13 and a half to 14 million. And we, I think we said no. I think we offered 11 and ultimately set, settled at just over 11 um, oh. for, the, for the good the two. So, yeah. So that's kind of how that, you know, back and forth went. But we were ultimately able to close on it. And we think it's going to be, we think it's going to be good over the long run. Sounds like if, if we had another half hour, we could do um, another episode on negotiation tactics, but we'll save that one for later. <laughs> as, as Ryan mentioned, guys, if you had any questions on anything he said along the way here, um, you know, it sounds like best way to, to reach out would be through your website. We'll get that now, uh, contact information. Sure. So my, my, uh, you know, my website's elevationfund.com or elevationcapitalgroup.com. And my email is ryan at elevationcg.com. There you go. All right. So getting ready to wrap it up here, Ryan, but I got to ask you, could you give a shout out to someone you've never given a shout out to before? I'll give a shout out to someone I've never given a shout out to. And I, I question if anybody on the podcast has ever heard of, but I would love for you to know more about him, but a gentleman named GK Chesterton. How about that? Okay. Okay. Well, is it what Chesterton GK? GK Chesterton. Okay. I'll look him up now. Yeah. Is that is that the cliffhanger? We just <laughs> we got to go look him up now. I got to tell you, I got to tell you a brief thing about him that I okay. that I love. If you would, if you open to it, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so GK GK Chesterton has long since passed, but he uh, he's one of my favorite people. There's a story about him. He was in the early 1900s. I can't remember which magazine may have been Time or something, but one of the, the major magazines published an article um, inviting readers to respond. And the, the question posed was, what can we do to make, um, what must we change to make the world a better place? Um, and send in your feedback. What, you know, what do we need to do to change the world, basically, or what must change? And so G.K. Chesterton won the contest uh, with one word. And so he sent his, his reply and he said, me, period. And I just, I love the, I love the, anyway, G.K., I love the wisdom of G.K. Chesterton. Okay. So <laughs> there we go, guys. Go look yep. him up. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for investing your time with us here today. Um, as I mentioned to you before the interview, everyone tuned in here on YouTube. This is only the second time we've we've done it this way. So it's an honor to have Ryan here in some of our first uh, YouTube versions of the interview. Any closing remarks before we wrap it up? No, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's, you know, for those who are listening to this and, and times of uncertainty and, you know, questioning uh, there's a lot of questioning going on. I would just say, you know, there's there's plenty of opportunity. You know, play the game, trust yourself. You'll make mistakes, learn, get better over time. Definitely play the game. Love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to Dream Chasers Interviews with the Future. We will catch you in the next episode. Remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level. Thank you so much for investing your time with us here today. Quick call to action. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to share, subscribe, or leave us a rating. It really helps a ton with the SEO and visibility of the show. Thank you guys once again, and remember, take it to the next level.